Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Welcome to Morning Drive Bible Podcast. I'm here with Scott Kahn. And I'm here with David Krugman. Woo, that was a nice little flip of the way we normally do it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to change it up. You remind me of Ringo Starr. Really? Have you heard of Ringo Starr? Of course I heard of Ringo Starr. I don't know. Okay, you're a comedy guy. I don't know if you're a Beatles guy. Do you know that he said that when they played Hey Jude, Hey Jude, one of their greatest hits of all time, came out in 68, Ringo Starr called it a magic take. Every rock band, when they make a song, they have many, many takes. Most of them obviously don't make the final cut. They have the final take, which actually is on record. With Hey Jude, the take they actually used for the single, the one that we all know, Ringo Starr called that a magic take. They started the recording, and he actually wasn't by his drum kit. He wasn't there. He crawled to his drum, and just in time for the second verse when the drum comes in. The drum isn't there in the first because it's only piano. Only after the first better, then the drums come in. Wow. So he called that a magic take. As we started this podcast, you forgot to put your headphones on. That is and true. And you started talking and just going in. And that's, that's Ringo Starr. It's a I'm magic take, which means that this is going to be our Hey Jude, this Morning Drive Bible episode. Well, thank you very much for the compliment, Scott. Well, I'm not so sure it's a compliment. If you're Ringo Starr, that makes me Paul, John, or George, which I think is better. But anyway... This was a long introduction with not such a great payoff. I'm not quite sure it was really worth <laughs> Dude, it. I don't know where I do I don't know how to do a transition. After there are the many listeners out there driving on the roads of America saying, I just wasted a minute and a half of my life listening to this moron talk about Ringo Starr and Hey Jude. I'm here for Bible. That's right. I'm here for Bible. And I want to know more about the, the topic we're discussing, uh, abortion. It's a, a serious topic. And we, we started off saying that once again, we know we're men discussing an issue with women's rights, and and it's an, an issue that will never go away and will polarize both sides of the aisle. Uh, but I as we try to do, we try to make sure that while it might be a polarizing issue, it doesn't have to tear people apart. Correct. And we've discussed over, over a series of podcasts uh, how the Orthodox Jewish world views this. And, and it's complicated. And it's complicated, and it was inspired by Ben Shapiro who, after what happened in New York and passing the legislation that a woman can terminate the fetus up until the birth, and then the legislature celebrated it. New York City put some pink lights on a building. I was a little ticked, and Ben Shapiro was also very much angry about what was happening Well, in he New probably York. heard your position and decided to follow yes, your lead. because Ben Shapiro is listening to David Negrutman, but... He's That's the Orthodox Jewish person who has made it into mainstream society. I just want to say thank you to Ben Shapiro bringing uh, on a side of Judaism that I hold dear, that I am very much pro-life. And I know that Scott Kahn is also pro-life. But in certain circumstances... He I have a pro-choice bent. And in terms of legislation, I'm less willing to say it should be outlawed in certain contexts. And please listen to previous podcasts for more extensive discussion of this entire issue. But let's go further into some sources now, David. Right. You, so, you wanted to go in and attack my position, not me personally, I right. don't think, based on something else. Correct. So in the past, I brought you Genesis chapter 9, verses 6. You brought me the Exodus chapter 21 verses. Then we went into some rabbinic literature and understanding the development of certain circumstances relating to this issue. And I'm going to now try a different approach. Okay. Okay. The approach where I was using is try to define the fetus as a full-fledged human being. 
And ultimately, we decided that you can't do that, but you also can't define it as a full-fledged non-human being. It seems to be somewhere in the middle, which leads to all the different opinions saying whether or not abortion is permitted in any given circumstances, it's complicated. You're going to go a different way now, though. Yes, I'm, I'm coming really from a different perspective. And I want to go to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 14. It says there, do not curse the deaf and do not put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall revere God. I am God. And this verse is classically understood not to literally refer to putting a stumbling block before the blind, but rather the blind refers to somebody who is ignorant. A blind person is somebody who doesn't know enough, and therefore causing somebody who does not know that something is wrong to sin is called a violation of this verse, putting a stumbling block before the blind. I see where you're going with this. You see where I'm going with this. Therefore, in classic Jewish law at least, you can't have a drive-by abortion. Only in on that we both agree. We both agree on that. Of course, when it comes to medical circumstances of the risk of the mother... We both agree that you can. You can, right? So there's agreement on both sides of the coin for this. The question is everything in the middle. Everything in the middle, okay? I would say for greater society, especially if a society who has its foundations on the Bible, let's say for the United States, putting the ability to have free choice completely in the realm of terminating a fetus beyond the risk of the mother, would be a violation of this biblical commandment. And for me to sit back as a Jew and not protest, I am aiding and abetting the stumbling block commandment. Wait, if we define, as we do in Jewish law, the mother's life more broadly often than merely literal threat to life, but very often many halachic decisors, deciders of Jewish law, have determined that the mother's life includes her mental state. Not in all cases, but severe mental anguish can be called a threat to the mother's life. Let's say, for example— I'm going to grant you that. Let me go ahead and grant that that premise. But if it's just a drive-by abortion circumstance, which is most of what abortions are today— Okay, remember, we have 60 million abortions since Roe versus Wade was passed in the United States. Not all of them were based upon the emotional state and physical uh, risk of the mother's life. It was simply a choice of the mother to terminate the fetus beyond that scope. But David— But if I don't, as a Jew, protest that or say outright that this is not according to biblical values, am I not— aiding and abetting greater society in this violation of this commandment, do not put a stumbling block in front of the blind? If I want to argue the other side, which I'm not necessarily doing, but if I want to argue the other side, I would say this. If we say that abortion will be regulated much more strictly and strongly by the state, there will be circumstances where Jewish law would say this is considered a threat to the mother's life, and yet it could well be that the influence of the pro-life community's success would make the state not allow an abortion in that case, which means that in the process of, yes, very, very properly prohibiting people from doing this sin, an unwarranted abortion, you might also cause them to do a different sin, to cause them, to not allow them to save the mother's life, which takes precedence over the fetus's life, as we've said many times in previous podcasts, given if there's a threat to one or the other. You're taking the argument and bringing it to its most extreme. I'm not sure it's the most extreme. I'm saying, once again, you know me, I have libertarian tendencies. I'm afraid of a slippery slope. You're afraid of government legislating this. If government legislates this. Federal government legislating this, or you would even say state government 
Well, as I've said before, I don't think it should be a free-for-all. I think that each state should be able to make legislation appropriate to what its population wants. And I don't think it's the job of the federal government to make that decision. I think it's the job of the states to decide based on what their population believes. And personally, if I lived in the United States, I would want to live in a state that is pro-choice. But that's more of a constitutional argument rather than a moral argument. My point is this. If we were to say that as Jews, your argument, we have to protest the ability to have drive-by abortions, yes. something which I don't like either. Right. The problem is this, which is that where do we draw the line? If we draw the line at a certain point where the state determines that you may not have an abortion here, but Jewish law says not only that you can, but perhaps you must because there's a threat to the mother's life broadly defined, in that case, I am now causing a stumbling block before the blind by prohibiting in a certain sense. You know, it might not technically fall under the category of a stumbling block in this case. In fact, it might be something significantly more serious and more stringent and worse. Instead of simply causing a stumbling block, which is bad, I might be endangering life, endangering the mother's life, which is even worse. So my counter argument to that would be very simple. We already had 60 million abortions happen in the United States. That's done. We stood by as Jews allowing that to happen. That's 60 million voices not heard, all for the sake of what would happen if we would protest, then it would lead to a situation where a mother, who we would believe in Jewish law, if her life is at risk, that that may happen that she can't have an abortion. Wouldn't it be worth it that we would have been there the entire time standing with people who are pro-life? And saying this is wrong, just general drive-by abortion. I mean, you're saying 60 million versus the occasional mother's, mother's life, life, except that it's not really 60 million because they are not alive yet in the full sense that the mother is. They're not just the well, mother's this is, body. This the crux There's of the argument? It's, it's, this is the crux of the argument where I'm saying, no, this is a life. It and is I'm a life. saying that it's part of the mother's body, but more, as opposed to being a full life. It's not not anything, but it's also not merely the mother's body, but at the same time, it's not a full life. You can't say that. But I can't say that by Jews not being involved in the issue like I think they should be, because we tend as diaspora Jews to whatever affects my community, that's where I'll go ahead and and advocate for. But greater society, if hey, if greater society wants to go ahead and do abortion, that's their problem. And I feel... This is where we as Jews don't take responsibility for greater society. And you're saying we should. And we should. Maybe this is the introduction to the next podcast. Yeah, I, I think we, we're going to disagree about this particular okay. point, but we're, we're coming closer at least to some sort of non-resolution, which is inevitably where this is going to end. But hopefully at least we're adding some nuance to the discussion. I'm Scott Kahn. I'm David Nekrutman. Blessings from Jerusalem. Jerusalem.